If you will, I'm reading from the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 22. Second Chronicles chapter 22. <clears throat> and verse number 10. <clears throat> but when Athalia, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son Ahaziah was dead. She arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah, but Jehoshba, we, we have actually multiple different pronunciations of her name. And in this King James, you might say Beath and other portions you might say Shabbat Jehosh Shabbat the daughter of the king took Joash the son of Ahaziah she stole him from among the king's sons that were slain and put him and his nurse in a bedchamber not just any bedchamber so Jehosh Shabbat the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoda, the priest. She was the sister of Ahaziah. She hid him from Athaliah so that Athaliah could not kill him. And he, Joash, was with them in the house of God six years while Athalia ruled, reigned over the land. I'll pause there and I'll explain it. Now, Lord, we need your help just for a moment while I preach the word. Help me to be brief and concise. Help me to say the words that I need to say so that everyone can understand it. I pray for all the people that we'd be kind and friendly, loving one another. This church would grow. We would hold fast and contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. I pray for all of our departments that are taking place right now and all the ministries that are occurring. And all the people that cannot be here, Lord. For whatever reason, I pray that you would bless them, keep them, help them. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Turn to your neighbor and say something kind to them. Just a kind word would be good. Second Chronicles reads like a Disney novel. The wicked king rises and falls in a single year. A failure watches her son die and then she covets the crown so she seeks to destroy the entire royal family all of those in the lineage the princes and their counterparts death is meted out like a ration of bread to the hungry patients patrons standing in a line in a recession the queen mother Athalia 
is elevated then to prominence upon the death of so many. She thinks that there are no more successors to take her place. The lineage has been wiped out and she sits alone at the helm of the empire. I imagine her crooked nose separated by beady eyes, bony fingers grasping the pummel of the king's scepter, but I, of course, cannot be sure of that sight. I do know that her wickedness rivaled that of Jezebel and all those who love power and control. Athalia did not just want to usurp the man, she wanted to remove him, destroy him, and she did. But just as David was hidden in a shepherd's field to the day in which he was called, God had not left Jerusalem without an heir. What that heir would eventually do was up to him, but God did not leave his city empty. For on the day that Athalia took to slaughter the royal house of Judah, Jehoshba found the infant son of Hazai and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be slain. And she hid him inside of the temple. Jehoshba hid Joash in the temple for six years. And her husband, being a priest, had a little chamber, chamber there and they kept him cloaked from the outside world and unknown to the powers that be. The heritage of that kingdom rested on the life of one remaining prince. The monarch and its inherent authority. The years to come. Battles and victories. Wars and lands. Treasure and successions. All of it was dependent upon a baby hidden inside of the temple. You have to know that even from the beginning of the holy places. Only the presiding priest would ever enter there or could ever enter there. Regardless of the gods presented, irrespective of the nature of the religious people or even superstitions which were displayed, throughout all the known world, the priests were the exclusive benefactors of those houses. And so much more in the house of God, the temple, was not frequented by kings and governors. They were not granted liberties and indulgences there, especially in the set-apart holy house of Yahweh. Only the priest would go there. So while Athalia, this wicked queen, could look in every corner of the kingdom for any remaining son or daughter, heir or descendant, she could not venture into the temple. In a world of chaos, contempt for decency, full of debauchery, the house of God was the only safe place to raise that child. It was the exception to the world's rule. It was the sustenance of sanity Virtue survived there. Compassion, righteousness, the law of the Lord was unabated in that place. Think of it. Athalia's wicked hand could reach into every home, every business, every corner, but she could not touch the temple. She could invade the merchants rolling carts. She could extract whoever and whatever from the magistrate's mansion. She could do all of that, but she could not open the doors to the temple and look inside. And if the kingdom... The true lineage was going to survive. It would be by way way of the house of God. Because there is no heritage without the house. There is no perpetuation of legacy, history, or lineage outside of the house. And it really makes no difference how you arrived at the house as long as you stay inside of the house. 
Joash need to do nothing but live, learn. As long as he was in the house, he could live and learn. He was a king in the making, but it all hinged on the boundaries presented and perfected. I hope you can hear what I'm speaking today. I love the lineage of my father and my mother who are present with me. It seems somewhat, however, culturally cachet to discover our ancestry's designation. We have websites. You can order that. We ordered um, a little kit for dad to find out where he came from. We know where my mother came from. There's a lot of Sicilian and mama and, and some from Rome, but mostly Sicilian, I think. We're not sure where dad came from. So he, we, we got him uh, Ancestry.com something 23. Did you send that in yet, dad? We're going to find out at Christmas. I'm glad that everyone wants to know where they came from. But I want to tell you today that there's no heritage like the spiritual heritage that God gives you when you're baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spiritual I don't really, it doesn't really matter where you've come from. You're in this house today. If you're in the body of Christ, you've got a wonderful heritage. You might have started yesterday, but you've got a wonderful heritage. You don't even know who was behind you because you just woke up in the Lord. But I want to tell you, you've got a great heritage behind you. And regardless of how you came to be here, this is your heritage. Now, my parents raised me in a Christian home, but I found my heritage in the spirit. And I say that if this is your first day or if this is your 101st day tomorrow, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of your inheritance. Peter said it like this, and I quote from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. Wait a second. He was not writing to a third or fourth generation group of Pentecostals. He wasn't writing to a group of people who had been brought up knowing the Lord. He wasn't addressing people who had never tasted the bitterness of life or sin or failure. They'd all tasted that. He was writing to people who came from nothing, who were once blind and lost and groping. And he said, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into this moment the flight wait for it which in time past you were not a people you came from nowhere but now you are the people of God which have obtained mercy and now you have obtained it you didn't have it before but now you have it your heritage ladies and gentlemen is not in this building Though we thank God for the blessing of the building and the properties. Thank God for that. But your heritage is not in the building. Your heritage is not a tapestry of generational understandings of the Bible. Though we are thankful for the precepts handed down to us from one generation. Our fathers and our mothers and maybe our grandfathers and our mothers. But your heritage was found in the day that you are baptized in the water and the spirit. Because Jesus said, unless you're born again of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter to the kingdom of God marvel not that I say unto thee ye must be born again 
That's when I got in the bride. That's when I got my heritage. That's when I connected to my lineage. When I was born again of the water and the spirit. Watch it now. Jehoshba and her son, Joada, has adopted the infant king to be. They rescued him. They are willingly choosing to raise a child that is not their own. And they will raise him inside the temple for six long years. It was time enough to plant truth inside of him. It was time enough to establish him in the ways of the law of the Lord of Jehovah. And if you look into the scripture, you'll find that all of this took place for six years. And then in the seventh year, they're going to reveal him. Six years have passed and we are now in the seventh year. And the day came when they were ready to present him to the people as the new and lasting, enduring king of Judah. But they also knew that there was no lineage without some protection of the vital things. They understood that Athelia is still alive. She's still wicked. Her bony fingers are still holding on to the power. The blood of innocent men have never dried. And this capable couple knows that to preserve the truth, many people are needed to preserve the truth. Guides, teachers, caregivers, encouragers. People of hospitality, people with long-suffering, men with hearts of compassion and conviction set in stone. The scripture tells us that Jehida strengthened himself. Remember, he has to make a decision that's going to last forever and it will alter the kingdom forever. He is the holder of the rightful heir. He's been the keeper and the protector of the king in waiting. And now he's going to reveal the secret that there is a king still alive. So Jehoda divides the people into three groups. He says, and I, and I read from the Bible, one third of you need to stand by the doors, the entrance. And those who are going to stand by the entrance are going to be made up of priests and Levites, he said. Because the doors are where truth and doctrine enter. The priests and the Levites are set apart people. They are the preachers and the teachers of the modern day church. And if the future is going to be protected and kept, then the entrance to understanding has to be guarded. Lest, as Paul wrote, we are all carried about with every wind of doctrine. Jehoda didn't stop there. He said, I want another third of you to guard the royal palace, the king's house. Because integrity and honesty was important in all the affairs of human government. If heritage is going to survive, godly character needs to be guarded and kept in every civil matter. That's the king's house. One third before the doors. One third before the, the human government. And even in the church, look at it, the early church needed men who are managing the material things correctly with integrity. That's why the disciples gathered together and they brought the church together and they said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over our business. Men and women of integrity to manage. It's critical to the heritage. Whatever comes tomorrow is contingent on the ethics and trustworthiness of those leading us today. That's why the priest said, a third of you must protect and manage and represent the public square. It's in your Bible. 
Peter said, said it like this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, or for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Jehoda added one more. He said, before I present the next generation of leaders and kings that will lead this nation, I want the last third of you to guard the fountain gate. And if you're a casual reader, it's easy to miss the significance of the fountain gate. I get the doors. The entrance is clear. It's the pathway to to false doctrine and vain philosophy. Someone's got to guard the church and our families from false doctrine and vain philosophies. It's the tradition of men and not of God. The doors are the access point where secular influences demand a place before the omnipotent Lord. And we've got to remove all of that. And I understand the need for godly people to occupy civil affairs. The reason, ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing so much failure in our country is because integrity is not on the ballot box. It's not a requirement for elected elected officials. And we usually end up voting for the lesser of two evils. I'm praying for the greater of two goods. I'm kind of weary with the lesser of two evils. I think godly men and women ought to occupy every part of the government. Jehovah said, I want a third of you to stand by the by the entrance to the doors and a third of you to stand in the king's palace. And finally he said, I need a third of you to stand in the fountain gate. It's an odd request because that old city had eight different gates. Why the fountain gate? Why guard or occupy one and not the other? You see, Jehovah knew that if there was going to be any virtue left, any soundness of spirit, if there was going to be any purity left, If it was going to remain, it was going to come by way of the fountain gate. And there are other gates. He he didn't ask for people to guard the Damascus gate, where the paved Roman road was traversed and where the wares of the world and commerce and business was exchanged. He didn't ask them to protect or guard or stand by the Jaffa gate, which led to Hebron, where all authorities seemed to be given, every authority seemed to find its birth in Hebron. And from Hebron, you came right through the Jaffa gate, but he left all of that out. Jehovah didn't ask to protect the Golden Gate where Jewish tradition was established. It was significant because they found understanding in their tradition. All the other gates were left out, all of which played a role in the process of life and the growth of the old city. But Jehovah said, one third of you need to take up around the fountain gate because the fountain gate was the cleansing place. It was the place of purity where holiness was established There was a washing at the fountain gate. It was the place of removal where the elements of life could be washed away. Jehoda knew as well as his wife that if the new king was going to make it, they were going to keep, they were going to have to keep the heritage of Judah, the next generation of truth, honesty, and purity. And it had to be protected. You see, the next generation won't survive unless the previous one protects truth. And they are honest. And they are pure. We don't have anything to hand them down. We don't have anything to pass on to them. If there's not truth. If there's not integrity. If there's no purity. 
If sexual indulgence has become the way of all adults, then there's no purity. So instead, can I preach a little bit in here now? What we've done is, instead of teaching abstinence and purity, we pass out condoms. And they're not working. Because the damage is not just the act. It's the mind and the spirit that's corrupted. Hear me. You got to hear this in the word and you got to hear it in the church. And if you don't get it in the temple, you're in the wrong temple. If the place where you're attending church doesn't preach about purity and honesty and integrity and truth, you better find a place that preaches about it because the next generation is not going to survive without truth and doctrine and holiness and godliness and integrity and character. I'm compelled to see the whole. To not end there because when they brought out the young king Joash, when they finally uncovered the hidden heritage from the temple and pulled back the curtains and this now young, almost seven-year-old young man walks out, the wicked queen of failure heard the cheering. She heard the clapping, the shouting. She heard them say, God, save the king. She ripped her clothes. And I read from the Bible, Athalia heard the noise of the people running and praising the king. She came to the people into the house of the Lord. And she looked and behold, the king stood at the pillar at the entering in and the princes and the trumpets by the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets also with singers with instruments of music such as taught to sing praise. Then Athalia rent her clothes and said, treason, treason. She hated it. The last thing she wanted was for another generation to survive. Her greatest fear was that a successor would rise up. She tried to wipe them all out. But now in that day when the people shouted and sang and danced and played instruments. When the people had protected the truth at the door. And when others had guarded the character in the public square. And when the last had kept the waters of the fountain gate pure and holy. Athalia knew that her days were numbered. And when she saw it and when she heard it. The Bible says she tore her royal robes and cried out. Because she could kill anything if it was outside the temple. She could distort any truth. She could promote any, any ungodly thing as long as it was outside the temple. She could change good into evil. She could manipulate the environment, ask leading questions, cause confusion, set herself up and present gods and likenesses as long as it was all outside the temple. She could destroy the heritage as long as it... As long as it was outside of the house of God. But the moment it made its way inside the presence of the ancient of days. Among he who formed the galaxies with his own words. And just spoke it out into existence. And then stepped into the into the atmosphere which he had spoke. And into this realm. The moment that he stepped into the temple. The moment that anything was in the temple. Where the shekel was kept. Which was the measurement. The temple shekel. Which was the measurement against all things outside of the temple was measured. Everything was measured by the temple shekel. Where holiness and righteousness found a common habitation. I hope you can hear what I'm preaching today. Find your family ladies and gentlemen. You bring them to this house. Not a ball game. Not another sporting event. Hear me. It would be better for them never to play a soccer game or another football game, another baseball game, another school function and be familiar with the house of God than for you to sacrifice your time in the world and for them to be a great athlete but don't know anything about the Lord. 
and not for your children only but for you as well heritage cannot survive if it's kept outside of the house of God and if you're going to be in the heritage of the Lord most high you got to get in this house you got to love this place you got to find a refuge here you got to set up your whole life like a pillar I'm not leaving I'm not going everything I know is going to come from the word I don't want another good politician. I want a godly politician. Because I don't find anything good that's not godly. If it's godly, it's good. Because you know where we know where we are. We're in the season right now. We're in the season. I know that you're not oblivious to what's going on. I wish you were. I wish we'd just rise up and say we're for Jesus. I'm going to get to it, but you know, I've had a few folks tell me, I just want to find a good church so my children can be taught. Yeah. You don't need it either? Oh, we, we got a hopping children's program. It's going on right now. We don't have room for the 160 kids they bring in almost every Sunday. We don't have room to put them in this house. Some of you wouldn't be able to handle it if they were running around. You get to see him on Sunday night, not the whole crew. I want to know, why is it good for them but not good for you? Why do they have to live for the Lord but you don't? Why do they have to memorize their scriptures, get a little star on a board, but you don't have no stars? Because you, you're busy, right? You got a job. You got things to do. When you get home, you're tired. You don't want to read your Bible. And see what I'm doing right now? That's the difference between a pastor and a hireling. Now, if you want a hireling, you go buy him. He'll get up here and you can write out what you want him to say. There's a lot of churches in town that'll let you do that. But not this, not this guy. This little Italian preacher said, I'm going to preach the word of God. Now, I'm not trying to offend you. Hold on a second. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to put you on the right road because a lie will not save you, but the truth will save you. I got to tell you, it's not just good for them and them. It's not just good for the elders and the younger. It's good for you and you and you and you and your man and your home and your life and your business and your mind and you all ought to be clapping your hands unto the Lord right now because you know that's the truth see Athalia she knew it and she was angry but what was happening she's mad right now because she has the representation of worldliness, the enemy of all things God. She is the embodiment of everything that is against Jesus Christ. Of course, in that day, she could use philosophies to twist the holy things of God, except if it was inside the temple. See, whatever you protect will eventually lead you. Whatever you cherish, whatever you guard, give your time, attention to today will be the direction you take tomorrow. So I say, Hide it in the temple. Lay your treasure up where the rust and the moth can't corrupt it. Give your life and your time to the things of God. Be what it, because what is kept here is the future of the great revival then.
I'm talking about keeping our heritage. I'm not talking about religious preferences or titles or positions. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine and the truth and character and a generation that's going to come to love God. They're going to love the God we love. They're going to love the God we serve. They're going to serve with purpose the things we serve with purpose. Hear me. Heritage doesn't begin to end with our elder saints and I thank them. It simply returns. True heritage returns back to the generations before them. Heritage is not a monopolized feature for a select few it is the perpetuation of the doctrine of integrity and of holiness and if heritage sunday is going to mean anything to us it means that our greatest need today is for us to raise children that walk in the ways of god so i'm preaching today not just to honor yes we honor not just to shine light on our elders and yes we are so grateful but I preach today because if the church survives it's going to come by way of our children that you do not see right now you think of taking that little Nehemiah who's a week old and putting the word into Nehemiah and letting him get familiar with the altar and then hear the preaching he may not understand all of it Three, four, five years old. The world knows this. This is why the government wants to take over all of our preschools because they want to indoctrinate your three-year-old. <laughs> they didn't get that from anywhere. They got that from the word. Because the Bible says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Here's what I want you to do. Tell your children when you're in the way, when you wake up, when you're walking, when you're laying down, when you sit. Tell them about the commandments of God. Tell them the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Every day you tell them. Every day you say that to them. Every day you, you, you pound it into them. You talk about the Lord all the time. Why? Because the younger you get them in the word, the longer they'll stay in the church. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a group called the Shakers. They used to have a great following. You can find them in the historical books today. In the mid-19th century... The ranks of the Shakers were very large. They were led by Jane Wardley and Mother Ann Lee and Mother Lucy Wright. In fact, at one point, this massive 6,000 groups of them had, had found a footing in America. They were growing in numbers, 6,000 groups. At their peak, they had large communities in all parts of the United States, mostly in the East but by 1920, there were only 12 groups left. And by the mid-1980s, it was reported that they were down to just a handful of people. The last known report, as I looked it up and researched it, was January of last year. From the Smithsonian researchers, there were only two shakers left in the world, and they were both living in Maine. You see, one of the main tenets, religious practices of the shakers, was celibacy. <laughs> no children. It was a religion made for, conducted for the benefit of adults. It was meant for remembrance. I'm going to remember. Not renewal. It was all about needy, meeting the needs of the people without the pain and the work of childbirth or nurturing. No children means no heritage. And heritage is not a heritage if there is no one to pass it down to. And heritage or an inheritance is not as much 
if there's no one that understands it and cares for it. If they squander it, then there is no heritage. But whoever takes it has got to love it. Whoever embraces it has got to hold on to it. That's why, that's why this morning, I, 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 I'm going to find it again if I can. That's why this morning I, I promoted to you the M90. Because M90 is a scripture. It's our heritage. It's the word. And when you memorize those 90 verses, you got a good start on your heritage. Your heritage is not this building. This building can burn down. I hope it doesn't. Your heritage is not the pews. Your heritage is not where you sit. Your heritage is the word of God. Because if you hide the word in your heart, everything else is going to fade away. But the word will not fade away. You see, before we think that it was better in the good old days and that the world is not what it used to be, let me tell you that your mom and dad thought the same thing. Your parents looked at you and said, this generation of teenagers, they're out of control. I'm going to tell you, the good old days might not have been so good. They were just old days. They might have been good. There were some good things. But I'm going to tell you what, whatever cool air is blowing on me right now, I'm so grateful. If you don't want air conditioner and you want to go back 100 years, God bless you. Let's get back to the future cars, a bunch, a bunch of cars. Let's get you back there. Mm-hmm. In fact, as a pastor, if I had to make a decision, if all of us had to make a decision about which ministry is the most important in this house, there would be no debate. Children's ministry is the most important ministry. If need be, shut down all the choirs. Oh no, you want the word as long as we're feeding you individually. As long as we have a little segmented group. I want to tell you right now, shut down all the choirs. Look, I, we can't counsel all the stuff that's going on in your personal lives. Reality is much more complex than the soap opera. I'll tell you what you need to do. Get in the church. Get in the word. Oh. If need be, close all the classes. All the functions, all the things, and let's keep the children in the house. Because we can be concerned about the needs of ourselves, of singles and marriages and men's and women's ministries and jail ministries and feeding and caring for the hungry. Thank God we're doing that. I I know we're doing it. We're not going to stop it. But there's no question about it. If we're going to do anything right, let's do the raising of our children in the temple in the house of God. Let's build 10 more of those pulpits and have them preaching when they're 5 years old so that when they get 15 and 20, they're not in the world. Hear me. You want to close down the jail? Get the babies in the house. You won't need a big jail if you get the children in the temple. If you want to reduce crime, get the church full of people that love the children and raise the children and hand them your heritage and the lineage of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd like to put the police department out of business because they don't have anything to do. I'd like to put all the prosecutors out of business, all the jails closed. Why? Because we've got to have the word in the house, the temple full of children. 
I know I'm preaching a little bit like a pastor, but I just want to tell everybody, you want to do something, I'll tell you what you do. Go rent you or lease you a van and use it every Saturday and Sunday and fill it up with children and bring them to the church. If you say to me, there's just nothing for me to do, I've got something for you to do. Go find a child and raise them and bless them. They don't have to be your own. Joe Ash was raised by people that were not his parents. Uh, uh. Dennis Hoopengarten just... And some of the crew, Joe, Joe's crew, some of them just, they remudded all the dents in the walls around the church and we just repainted. You'd never know there was a dent there. I'll tell you how those dents got there. Some little bratty kids walked along and just kicked the walls. Thank God they're kicking the walls. I'd rather them kick the walls and put dent, mud and paint don't cost anything. Give me another. I'd... I'd I'd rather have another 500 children that just love the Lord than some high dollar adults who need to be fed all the time and don't want to do anything for God and they have no intention. I'm tired of helping people try to get to heaven. They got no intention of going. Hear me. I got to find some baby. I can change a life if I can change a child. I can change a city and a community if I can get my hands on some children and say, we're going to sing the songs of Zion. We're going to learn how to pray. We're going to read the word. Hear me, mama. Before you decide to fool around and have a little midlife crisis while your kids are young, don't be so selfish and dumb. While you're having your little midlife crisis, your kids are being distorted by the world because you're not being a mother. Come on, Dad. Before you decide that you're going to fool around on your family and be a man of, of lack of integrity and no character, remember, you've got people that are watching you and they need you to be a godly man. I think Frederick Douglass said it best when he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Somebody needs to guard the doctrine. All the teachers and Sunday school teachers and youth workers and preachers, all the Sunday school people that are in the nursery and all the folks, hear me, tell them about Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise of the Holy Ghost is unto you, is to your children and to all that are far off, even as the many as the Lord our God shall call. Teach them the doctrine, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark chapter 16 verse 16. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And the next verse says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues teach them 2 Corinthians 5 19 to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation tell them 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness and now I'm going to tell you what the mystery was God was manifest in the flesh God was justified in the spirit he was seen of angels he was preaching to the Gentiles he was believed on in the world he was received up into glory. Tell them, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You gotta keep
keep the heritage. Somebody ought to keep the doors. You ought to keep the doors from every little thing that comes in the church. Get the nonsense out. Get the truth in. And here, hey pastor, somebody needs to build character and be in our community with honesty and integrity. You got to be in the in the community with honesty and integrity. Do you know worldly people hate honest elected officials? They hate them. They hate them. And our church representation here, who represents more people, he and his family are constantly attacked on on the web, and people get to hide behind their computers and say all kinds of horrible things about him. And the reason why is because he's a man of honesty and integrity. That's the reason why they they don't want honesty and integrity. But you had more honesty, you had more compassion, you had more love. That doesn't, you don't learn that in the world. You learn that in the church. You've got to keep the heritage in. And then there's got to be a part of us that stand guard at the fountain gate. We've got to fight for holiness and righteousness in a world void of decency. I've got to keep the heritage low, the Bible says. Children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of his youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak, defend with the enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, I'll read it in NIV. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward for him. Like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior are sons and daughters born in their youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. That pulpit means nothing without this one. Because if it ended with that pulpit, then we are dead in the water. We're just another shaker trying to get by, solving the problems of middle-aged and senior people. If it ends with this one, then we just have charlatans trying to exercise their gifts in their moment when they're strong. That one is the most important one in this whole building. Because if you can get this one... Then that one over there has meaning. But if this one doesn't exist, it's all for naught. Listen, it's what's happening outside of this room that's the most important thing in this day. It's in that Sunday school division and that children's place and in the North Campus where the kids are having church right now and being taught because without them, whatever inheritance you have, We were just, I'm almost done, help me. We were just in New York. One of the tour guides that we had, he was telling us about very wealthy people that donated entire buildings and blocks. And and every once in a while we would pause and have like a $15 hot dog. We went into the Mexican restaurant and said, well, I'll take some salsa and some chips and... 12 bucks. Next time you go to New York, go to Sam's and get a whole bag of chips. You could just, you could sell them on the street and pay for your whole trip. You sell them by the chip. 
Tammy said, I want to get pictures of the kids. Okay, we'll take some pictures. She took some pictures of the kids, you know. We had to be careful because there were some crazy folks running around there. They needed Jesus bad. I mean, there were some... Really, really needed the Lord. We got on the subway. We decided, let's, let's experience the subway. We got on the subway and kind of take a picture. And You know, we, we'd been there in a long time and we... The kids got on the subway. I got on the subway and Tammy said, Allie, just let me take a picture of you standing in the doorway of the subway car. We were gone. We were waving. Tammy was... I lost my wife in New York. What am I going to tell the people back home? It's gone. I felt really guilty and then I should have probably been the last one on. I, I, I realized, you know, the Bible says that Noah was the, his, him and his family, there was eight of them, and Noah was the last one. He was the eighth person on because he was the last one to get on the boat. He was the last one. And I thought, I've just, I mean, just, I've just disobeyed the whole Bible. I should have been the last one. <clears throat> Luckily, she got on the next subway and there was, a, there was four steel magnolia women Part of them were from Louisiana and they all talked Southern and so they found refuge in one another. These people had so much money and they donated all this stuff and there was a couple of them when the guide kept saying, now this couple, they didn't have any children. So they donated to this building and now it's been turned into apartments. And Now you see this building with the copper roof. Now that... Now that couple was a very wealthy couple and they didn't have any heirs, he said. No heirs. And so they donated to this society. <laughs> After about the third time that he said that, my heart was struck. And I thought, you mean you have nobody to pass it down to? That it was all just for us to make us feel good on Sunday morning? It was just for us? All the songs, you know all the fancy songs you were singing at the front that, you know, some of you are still learning the words? Those are going to be the heritage songs 25 years from now. And we're going to be sitting right here and we're going to be singing all those songs and the new group that gets up and sings them and says, man, those things are old. That guitar riff is so old. Are you saying that all this that we're experiencing right here in this room every Sunday morning, the power of God, the wonderful things of God, that we forgot that if we don't have someone that can hold it and love it and care for it, then your entire life will mean nothing because it will be all about how it makes you feel. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I would do better if, 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 if I had some things together, but you know, life has been hard for me. Well, I'm going to tell you what you do with that hard wounded spirit that you have you lay it at the feet of Jesus and you go find a child that's going through the same problems right now because they're so wounded and so hurt and so messed up in their life right now they need somebody that will raise them I'm going to protect you if I could just give you six years seven years in the church in the temple you'll be the heir you can lead us the lineage depends the heritage depends on what we do with them many of which haven't even made their way into this house.